Breast cancer. Those are two words your patients don't want to hear and news that you don't want to deliver. Unfortunately for one in eight American women, it's a truth they'll have to face in their lifetime. And the risks are clear. Besides being female, the two major risk factors for developing breast cancer are advancing age and family history. In fact, about 80% of women diagnosed with invasive breast cancer are age 50 and older. And while family history of the disease is an important risk factor, up to 80% of women diagnosed with breast cancer don't have one. Unfortunately, many women still have misperceptions about who is at risk. They think, I don't have a family history of breast cancer, so I don't need to worry. My mom had breast cancer, but I'm only 43. The good news is that with early detection, we can try to reduce the risk of breast cancer mortality. Through awareness and education, we hope to improve patients' willingness to be screened for breast cancer. To help in this effort, Lilly has created the Strength in Knowing Breast Cancer Awareness Program and website. It's designed to educate women about their individual risks and provide a means for them to share this knowledge with others. At strengthinknowing.com, women can hear from professionals as they discuss the importance of knowing the risks of breast cancer, find out about events they can attend in their city, and help spread the message. The resources may also be helpful to you and your practice. There is strength in knowing about the risks of breast cancer. So spread the word today. Visit strengthinknowing.com and tell your patients to visit too. I didn't realize I was at risk until I visited. I told my sister, my mother, and my aunt. This program is sponsored by Eli Lilly and Company. Answers that matter. You're listening to ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. Sponsored in part by Eli Lilly. Your host is Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of Obstetrics and Gynecology at Northwestern University Medical School, the Feinberg School of Medicine. Wine, liquor, beer, and breast cancer? We know that red wine proves to be beneficial in cardiac disease, but can that same wine or any other type of alcohol be increasing your breast cancer risk? You are listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Advances in Women's Health. I'm your host, author, and Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, Assistant Professor of OBGYN at Northwestern University. And with me is Dr. Arthur Klatsky, MD, lead author on this study evaluating the possible risk of alcohol on breast cancer and adjuvant investigator at the Division of Research at Kaiser Permanente Medical Care Program. Dr. Klatsky and I are discussing the new findings on the relevance of different types of alcohol as it relates to breast cancer risk. Dr. Klatsky, welcome to ReachMD. Well, I'm pleased to be with you, Lisa. Thank you. You know, the research you're doing is very exciting, as everyone is always looking for ways to help minimize risk, especially when it comes to breast cancers. That seems to be a continuing challenge for women today. What led you to study the relative roles of different types of alcohol as it relates to breast cancer? Well, by way of background, I've been interested in the relations of alcohol, all levels of drinking, not just heavy drinking, light, moderate drinking, and heavy drinking to various types of health outcomes and health status for many years. And our group has studied cardiovascular problems and liver disease and other cancers. But the subject of breast cancer is obviously an important one because it's so common and unfortunately hardly only a condition of older women because all too often young women get breast cancer. So we got interested in reviewing that and of course, this is not the first study of alcohol and breast cancer. 
I would say for about 15 to 20 years, there have been periodic reports of an association between alcohol drinking and breast cancer. Now, the studies vary in size and quality and the information available, but I would say it's fair to say there's some consensus that heavier drinking is associated with higher risk of breast cancer, and most people define heavier as three or more drinks per day for sure. Some people say two or more in women, but anyhow, the reports have been pretty consistent about the heavier drinking aspect. Some studies, but not all, have found that even lighter drinking, even one or two drinks per day, is associated with slightly increased risk. So for the definition of this discussion, you're considering lighter alcohol usage, one to two glasses per day? I'm considering up to two lighter. Now, I realize that that's not entirely politically correct because the U.S. Department of Agriculture says that the upper limit of moderate is two per day for men and one for women. But I use that definition because in our studies and in other studies, it's at three or more drinks per day that the net harm of alcohol seems to be clear-cut. Below that, there's no evidence of net harm and actually evidence of some benefit. We'll come back to that. So I use the definition of three or more is heavy and less than that is light-moderate drinking. So in addressing alcohol specifically in the arena of breast cancer, your predisposition was you were expecting to see an effect. We expected to see an effect. Now, the many of the studies have no information about specific beverage choice. And that's an important topic because People want to know, does it matter whether I drink beer or gin or red wine or white wine or whatever? And we thought that that would be an aspect that we could investigate. And there were other things that we wanted to look into that were incompletely resolved in previous studies. One of them actually is ethnicity. We have a multi-ethnic population. We're able to look at the at the breast cancer aspect from the point of view of whites and African-Americans and Asian-Americans and Hispanics. But the alcohol aspect was focused on beverage choice. That was the chief thing we wanted to uh, evaluate because that's something of practical importance to people. Of course. Tell us a little more about the study population you used. I'm associated with uh, the Kaiser Permanente program, which is, as you no doubt know, the largest prepaid comprehensive health care insurance plan in the country. And there are groups in Northern and Southern California and other parts of the country, but I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. We used for this study a database which was derived from people who had health examinations 25 years ago or so, actually to be specific, from 1978 to 1985. These were women who came in voluntarily to have just a health checkup to see if they were okay. And we were interested in getting more information about alcohol consumption that was previously available. So for those years, from 1978 to 1985, we got research support to collect additional data about alcohol, including frequency of taking wine, beer, and liquor separately, some information about red wine and white wine, uh, self-classified ethnicity, and a lot of other information that might be relevant to alcohol relations to health. So the study population was about 70,000 women who took these examinations voluntarily and who were members of our prepaid health plan. And then we followed them over the years through 2004. And about 2,800 of them developed breast cancer after they gave us the baseline information. Did you find in that patient population that alcohol trends or usage of alcohol had changed from the 70s until the current time? Well, no doubt there have been changes in trend. We just used the baseline information, though. We had multiple examinations on some but not all people, but we used the baseline information. Now, you're thinking or probably about to ask me whether, whether the fact that people change their habits influences the results. That may be. 
But we know from previous information, from our own data, that by the time people reach middle age, uh, let's say the 40s, 50s, and beyond that, their habits are pretty well fixed. Young people change much more readily. So most people are reporting, let's say, that they have a a beer with a dinner where they have a glass or two of red wine when they're 45 years old, they're still doing more or less the same thing when they're 55 years old. In any case, any risk factor for cancer, which is something that develops over time, has got to be a long-term look at matters. And so we, we just accepted that most of the people were continuing in more or less the same habit as before. It's a, it's a fault. It's a problem. But that's what we have to do. The study that you're describing, was there any other variables during which you looked at in this patient population that may have impacted the results of whether alcohol had an effect? Absolutely. We tried to control for as many of them as possible. For example, age is an obvious factor. So we controlled all the analyses for age. Body mass index is a factor because, as you know, obesity is a risk factor for breast cancer. So we controlled for that. History of having children and age of having the first child is a factor. So we controlled for what are known as the reproductive variables that are related to breast cancer risk. We were not able to control very well for estrogen for hormone replacement therapy because we didn't have that piece of information computerized and we couldn't review 70,000 paper records to see who was taking hormones and who wasn't. So we were able to do that control for that factor only partially. We also controlled for smoking and we controlled, of course, for ethnicity and educational level because there is a relation between educational attainment and breast cancer. And did you find any difference in your results among these groups of controls? We found the same things that other people had found, that obesity was related, that age, of course, is related. In the case of breast cancer, women with higher educational attainment are more likely to have the condition. That's different from what is the case for cardiovascular disease and some other things. But in the case of breast cancer, educational attainment, having having been to college, for example, seems to be associated with higher risk. We found that. So everything was compatible with what other people have found. And what did you find in this study that makes it unique? Well, we confirmed the association of heavier drinking with with higher risk of breast cancer. And in this analysis, it was about 30% higher. The validity of that association, I think, is strengthened by the fact that it was present separately in strata of whites, blacks, Asians, Hispanics, people of, of higher education, without higher education, smokers, non-smokers. In other words, it was consistent in various subset analyses. So it confirmed that. Uh, we also found a week, about a 10% increased risk of breast cancer among women who reported one to two drinks per day. And that was also fairly consistent. What I think is perhaps a little bit more clear in this analysis than in most of the previous ones is that there was absolutely no difference related to the type of beverage that the women preponderantly drank. Now, I put it that way because a lot of women don't drink just one type of beverage. They'll have wine more often than they'll have beer or they'll have liquor as their preferred type of alcoholic beverage. So we defined preponderance as at least 80% of, of a particular beverage type of a particular beverage type representing 80% of the total alcohol intake of that woman. In other words, if they drank wine much more often than either beer or liquor or wine exclusively, they were called wine preferrers. And in your study, you found that whether they drank wine, beer, or a martini a day, the same effect was found? Absolutely no difference. We looked at it several ways, and if you want, we could get into the technicalities of that, but that may not be necessary. The fact is that it was absolutely irrelevant. And it also didn't matter whether they, if they were wine drinkers preponderantly, it didn't matter whether they drank white wine or red wine or both. 
that was totally unrelated. That's actually quite interesting because, as you know, in the cardio data, the cardiology data with the alcohol, there seems to be a protective effect if one glass of red wine is drunk a day. Well, I think we need to look at that a little bit right now. I think there is some difference in that wine drinkers seem to be a little bit more protected, beer next, and liquor least, but all three are protected. And most of what's known about the mechanisms of benefit have to do with ethyl alcohol, not with the other ingredients in red wine. In this confusing world of diet and its effect on cancer, when every day in the medical and popular media we hear of the potential negative impact on some of our favorite foods and liquids, I advise we proceed with common sense. And I think Dr. Klatsky would agree, too much of a good thing is just too much. And one glass of wine a day is good for your heart and may not be harmful to your breast. But again, we have to look at each patient as an individual. It's all about medical moderation. I am your host, author, and Dr. Lisa Mazzullo, assistant professor of OBGYN at Northwestern University. You have been listening to Advances on Women's Health on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, please send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.